Dear world, we are back with another episode of Chatting Through the Chronicles. I am babysitting, wasn't sure what time I was going to get home and thought I would be able to record there, but it's past 10 o'clock and um, I need to go to sleep when I get home. So uh, I'll record as much of this as I can. And when I randomly stop, it's because the parents got home. So we'll see how, how much we get through. Today's episode, we're going to talk through chapters, let's see, 11 and 12. It's been so long since the last um, episode that I don't, I don't totally remember what happened, if I'm being honest. I mean, I remember as in, like, I know the story, so I know what happened. Um, oh, I guess, like, every the world was created, and kind of he was talking uh, with the animals, and... Um, they finished up with Uncle Andrew being um, discovered by a group of the animals. And so um, that's where we pick up is the animals um, looking at Uncle Andrew and trying to figure out what he is. It's so funny, this little conversation that the animals are having. Ooh, so sorry. While they're standing around Uncle Andrew, um, they're trying to figure out if he's an animal or a plant. And if he is a plant, how should they plant him? Um, and if he is an animal, if he's a talking animal, or if he just, yeah, like, what is his deal? And they cannot figure it out. The elephant, like, tries to pick him up and have him stand, and that doesn't work. They finally decide he's a tree, and so they plant him, and the elephant sprays him with water a bunch of times, which is just, it's just perfect. Um... And he comes to, and he's very concerned. Um, oh, sorry, <laughs> reading a text from the parents. Um, so he's, he comes to, and he's very concerned. Um, but then, as C.S. Lewis sometimes does, switches the story without really making a transition, which I kind of love. He just says that they need to, he needs to get on to more important things, which is so accurate. Um, so they're all diggery and strawberry. Oh, sorry. And a little further back, Polly and the cabbie are going to find Aslan and these animals that he's taken because Diggory has to know about if he can find something to heal his mom. That is his number one concern, as it would be for anyone who um, was so desperate for that um, healing to come. And so they approach this little group, and Diggory's scared to death because he wants so badly for Aslan to say no, and he's so scared that he, or he, sorry, he wants so badly for Aslan to say yes, but he's so scared he's going to say no. He just, like, doesn't know what to do. Um... And Aslan is, like, telling the group that this, um, he says, this is the boy who did it, and Diggory is so scared. So I'm going to read this, like, passage. Um, Yeah. Son of Adam, said the lion, there is an evil witch abroad in my new land of Narnia. Tell these good beasts how she came here. A dozen different things that he might say flashed through Diggory's mind, but he had the sense not to say anything except the truth. Oh, the exact truth. I brought her Aslan, he answered in a low voice. For what purpose? 
I wanted to get her out of my world back into her own. I thought I was taking her back to her own place. How came she to be in your world, son of Adam? My favorite thing is the son of Adam, daughter of Eve thing. I think it's so funny. Um, We're not funny, just like another connection to like the biblical narrative present in this story. Um, By the magic, the lion said nothing and Diggory knew he had not told enough. It was my uncle Andrew, he said. He sent us out of this out of our own world by magic rings at least i had to go because he sent polly first and then we met the witch in a place called charn and she just held on to us when you met the witch said aslan in a low voice which had the threat of a growl in it she woke up said diggory wretchedly and then turning very white i mean i woke her up because I wanted to know what would happen if I struck the bell. Polly didn't want to. It wasn't her fault. I I fought her. I know I shouldn't have. I think I was a bit enchanted by the riding under the bell. Do you? asked Aslan, still speaking very low and deep. No, said Diggory. I see now I wasn't. I was only pretending. This whole thing is so fascinating. Um, I think it's kind of... It reminds me of my own prayer life sometimes of how I want to like put up these fronts to God and like sometimes particularly and like when you're praying it like with people whatever you like say these things but like when you're at the feet of Jesus and you're sitting um, in a posture of um, of just like being with God and like experiencing who he is all you can do is tell the truth because he a already knows and b wants to walk you through it he doesn't want you stuck in stuck in your circumstances and he particularly doesn't want you stuck in a lie um and diggory is finding this as he he has to tell aslan even though he already knows um so that they can walk towards reconciliation. Oh, sorry. So tired. Um, they can walk towards reconciliation together, uh, which I think is great. Um, and Aslan is very forgiving of him um, and says that there is something he will have to do, but that like he will be forgiven. They go on to continue talking about um, the queen that was brought, or the evil that was brought, whatever, and Aslan at one point says, evil will come of that evil, but it's still a long way off. And I will see to it that the worst falls upon myself. Again, a uh, way of seeing um, the biblical narrative in here and the worst falling on himself. Um, and obviously we'll get to that in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. But... Um, yeah, I think even in in the story, even in the biblical narrative and in our own lives, we see how like sin expands upon itself. Um and obviously like the sin that is the sin that occurs that eating the apple leads to then every sin that has ever occurred. Um and in some of the Old Testament it talks about these cities that are just completely against every word of God. Um, 
And that's kind of what I think of here. Like, evil will come of that, but it's still a long way off. Um, which is just an interesting idea. Um, and then this is so good when it's he's asking and telling Diggory that he's going to have to help um, reconcile the the wrong that has been done. He says, and as and as Adam's race has done the harm, Adam's race shall help heal it too. Um, love that. And it is such a gift that while Jesus has brought the ultimate reconciliation of reconciling us to God, uh, he's also given us the gift of helping us reconcile with each other and help um, invite more people to life with him as well. Um, cause we are the ones that do the wrong, but we also, um, can help make it right. And, um, oh, this next passage, he's talking to the cabbie who is truly one of my favorite characters and the magician's nephew. Um, I want to remind us of back when they first got to Narnia and he sang a hymn and then he was so he was he's always been awestruck by Aslan uh, so this conversation just is very sweet son said Aslan to the cabbie I have known you long do you know me well no sir said the cabbie leastways not in an ordinary manner of speaking yet I feel somehow if I may make so free as though we've met before it is well said the lion you know better than to think you know you know better than you think you know and you shall live to know me better yet how does this land please you pause what a line you know better than you think you know and you shall live to know me better yet i think so often our doubts fog our mind but when we believe fully into who we know God to be and follow him, we get to know him even better. And like, yeah, love that. Going to go on reading. How does this land please you? It is a fair treat, sir, said the cabbie. Would you like to live here always? Well, you see, sir, I am a married man, said the cabbie. If my wife was here, neither of us would ever want to go back to London. I reckon we're both country folks, really. Aslan threw his shaggy head, opened his mouth, and uttered a long, single note, not very loud, but full of power. Polly's heart jumped in her body when she heard it. She felt sure that it was a call, and that anyone who heard that call would want to obey it, and what's more, would be able to obey it, however many worlds and ages lay between. And so though she she was filled with wonder, she was not really astonished or shocked, when all of a sudden, a young woman with a kind, honest face stepped out of nowhere and stood beside her. Polly knew at once that it was the cabbie's wife. Fetched out of our world, not by any tiresome magic rings, but quite uh, quickly, simply and sweetly as a bird flies to its nest. The young woman had apparently been in the middle of washing day, for she wore an apron, her sleeves were rolled up to the elbows, and there were soap suds on her hands. This middle part makes me cry when 
It says she felt that it was a call and that anyone who heard the call would want to obey it and what's more would be able to obey it, however many worlds and ages lay between. Um, I think of, of all of the challenges that stand between um, what I feel so called to do and um, where that where that is right now and how China feels so um, so centered to my calling and that's not super possible at the moment and um, yeah that's so hard but the whole but that even even before I went there were it felt like there were so many obstacles in the way of my own anxieties and you know money and blah 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 um, but I think for anyone who who feels a calling from God, um, we have to answer it. And we have to, like, he will make a way even when we feel like there is no way. And I think that's kind of what Polly is seeing here. Um, Yeah, I think the deeper theological things that C.S. Lewis writes in here just never cease to amaze me. Um, So, of course, she comes and... um, Meets her husband and the kids, um, and Aslana makes them the first king and queen of Narnia, and he's going to have them, like, rule the creatures and protect them and do the land, all of that, and I think that this is the first, almost, reward for faithfulness. The cabbie who was faithful to God in his world and has been trusting of Aslan in this world. And that has led him to be seen as faithful. And that faithfulness is being rewarded in a greater gift. Um, so I think that's a very, a very interesting idea. And of course, the cabbie has some hesitations about being a king. But Aslan is very reassuring of him. Um, he asks at one point, can you rule these creatures kindly and fairly, remembering that they are not slaves like the dumb beasts of the world you were born in, but talking beasts and free subjects? And I think um, I think that's kind of an important thing for us to to think about when we're put in charge over things, or even just like just all people who are ruling. Um, there's that word again that I struggle with. Anything with the R U L R O L C O L and all of the things, P O L P O O L whatever. <laughs> yeah, Aslan reminding them of what leadership really looks like, and it's not usually um, done with. Um, it's not usually done correctly, but kindly and fairly. Um, and remembering they're free, like that is how leadership should be. It should be done um, as Aslan is describing. So we go on, and that is the end of that chapter. Um, Aslan makes sure that Polly has forgiven Diggory and then goes on to address Diggory um, on his own. And that is where we open up this chapter. And I'm going to read a huge section. Um, so here we go. 
Son of Adam, said Aslan, are you ready to undo the wrong that you have done to my sweet country of Narnia on the very day of its birth? Well, I don't see what I can do, said Diggory. You see, the queen ran away, and I asked, are you ready, said the lion. Yes, said Diggory. He had had for a second some wild idea of saying, I'll try to help you if you'll promise to help my mother. But he realized in time that the lion was not at all the sort of person one could try to make bargains with. But when he had said yes, he thought of his mother and he thought of his great hopes he had had and how they were all dying away and a lump came in his throat and tears in his eyes and he blurted out, but please, please, won't you, can't you give me something that will cure my mother? Up till then, he had been looking at the lion's great feet and the huge claws on them. Now, in his despair, he looked up at its face. What he saw surprised him as much as anything in his whole life. For the twenty face, tawny, sorry, tawny face was bent down near his own and wonder of wonders, great shining tears stood in the lion's eyes. They were such big, bright tears compared with Diggory's own that for a moment he felt as if the lion must really be sorrier about his mother than he was himself. My son, my son, said Aslan, I know, grief is great. Only you and I in this land know that yet. Let us be good to one another, but I have to think of hundreds of years in the life of Narnia. The witch whom you have brought into this world will come back to Narnia again, but it need not be yet. It is my wish to plant in Narnia a tree that she will not dare to approach, and that tree will protect Narnia from her for many years. So this land shall have a king, or shall, shall have a long, bright morning before any clouds come over the sun. You must get me the seed from which that tree is to grow. Yes, sir, said Diggory. He didn't know how it was going to be done, but he felt quite sure now that he would be able to do it. The lion drew a deep breath, stooped its head even lower, and gave him a lion kiss. At once, Diggory felt this new strength and courage had gone into him. I think this goes back to um, even the conversation with the cabbie about calling, and like Diggory was asked by God, by God, by Aslan, <laughs> directly to do something, and though he didn't know how he was going to do it, he felt sure that he could. Um, and there were probably, as we move forward, moments of doubt, but he knew somehow, some way, God was going to make a way. And that's what happens. Like, I think of my own, of my own story and hating being away from home. I hate it. I love, I'm a homebody, but I also know that I'm called to the other side of the world to do this thing. And it doesn't make sense to me and it doesn't make sense to anybody else, but that's what God has asked me to do. And for me to say no is disobedience. And while I know it's going to be hard, he also is going to make a way and he has made a way and he will make a way in the future for whatever it is he's calling me to, to be fulfilled, be it there or somewhere else. So I hope you can see that in your life as well. Um, so we move on and Aslan is telling Diggory he will fly to get this apple from this tree and um, it's like up at this mountain, whew, sorry, on the far end of Narnia and you're like past Narnia um, and 
Um, here's a, a little piece where the doubt comes in. Um, Diggory is saying to Aslan, yes, sir, said Diggory again. He hadn't the least idea of how he was to climb the cliff and find his way among all the mountains, but he didn't like to say that for fear it would sound like making excuses. But he did say, I hope, Aslan, you're not in a hurry. I shan't be able to get there and back very quickly. And I love that he's like, I I want to do this. I feel like I should. I'm going to do this, but I am not sure that I'm going to do it well, and I'm not sure, you know, it's going to be done exactly how um, how you want, and it's not going to be fast, all of these things, you know, the insecurities that we have um, when Aslan, or God, has already thought this through and already knows, you know, already knows the way, um, and is just asking us to follow. Um, and so Aslan turns strawberry into a flying horse, and his name is now Fledge. And so Fledge um, suddenly sprouts wings. Strawberry, now Fledge, is now a winged horse. Um, this is a, another nod to Genesis. Um, after the wings appear, it says, Is it good, Fledge? said Aslan. It is very good, Aslan, said Fledge. Love that. Um, because obviously for us, or for in the biblical narrative, in the Bible, I don't know why I keep saying that. Um, the only thing that was very good was human, which, gracious, what a time. Um, if you look at this world and think that we're the only things that were very good, that's like, man, we're, it shows how loved we are when there's all these incredible things around us and meaning like nature and things, not like thing things. Um, and we're still what God views is very good. Um, okay. So, um, Diggory and Polly eventually, yeah. Diggory and Polly, uh, hop on to fledge and they are going to fly off, um, into, the land of Narnia that is yet to be explored and find this apple that Aslan has talked about. He at one point says, do not fly too high, said Aslan. Do not try to go over the tops of the great ice mountains. Look out for the valleys, the green places, and fly through them. There will always be a way through. And now be gone with my blessing. I love the look out for the valleys, the green places, and fly through them. There will always be a way through. I think that's, again, and analogy or whatever to our lives and even in these things that seem so impossible to us God is always um, going before us and reminding us that there is a way through so they're flying away and of course the kids are like this is crazy what is happening um this little dialogue is super um interesting and cute whatever I say, look back, look behind, said Polly. There they could see the whole valley of Narnia stretched out to where, just before the eastern horizon, there was a gleam of the sea. And now they were so high that they could see tiny-looking jagged mountains appearing beyond the northwest moors and plains of what looked like sand far in the south. I wish we had someone to tell us what all those places are, said Diggory. I don't suppose they're anywhere yet, said Polly. I mean... There's no one there and nothing happening. 
The world only began today. No, but people will get there, said Diggory. And then they'll have histories, you know? I love that. The thought of, like, no one is there yet, but someone will be there and something will happen. Um, And that's the truth of everywhere and everything. Um, That's just not something we think of because it feels like there's nothing new under the sun. You know, all of that, that whole idea. Um, But when we look at the world with fresh eyes and through God's eyes, particularly like there are new things to be done always. Um, Keep on going. They continue flying, looking at the scenery. This line is just such great writing. For the sun sank lower and lower till the western sky was all like one great furnace full of melted gold. I just love the imagery that C.S. Lewis uses in these chapters of describing Narnia. It's just so, um, it just takes you there. It's just incredible. Um, So they decide they're getting kind of tired. And so they land and Fledge is eating grass and can't understand why the children won't do that. But they find um, Toffee from Polly's pocket. (laughs) Funny, Polly pocket. Um, Sorry and decide that they will eat that and they plant one of the pieces assuming it will become a tree since the metal from the lamppost became a tree which is so funny um at one point Diggory does suggest that Polly go home and get food but when she says no he was actually kind of glad that he wasn't she wasn't gonna leave him which is so funny um So they all decide they'll go to sleep. And then this, again, C.S. Lewis with the cliffhangers can't handle it. Um, They, like, are asleep. And then all of a sudden they hear something. Uh, Everyone listened as hard as they could. Perhaps it was only the wind in the trees, said Diggory presently. I'm not so sure, said Fledge. Anyways, wait, there it goes again. By Aslan, it is something. I love by Aslan, like, yeah, that's their way of like, yeah. <laughs> um, the horse scrambled to its feet with a great noise and a great upheaval, and the children were already on theirs. Fledge trotted to and fro, sniffing and winning, whinnying. The children tiptoed this way and that, looking behind every bush and tree. They kept on thinking they saw things, and there was one time when Polly was perfectly certain she had seen a tall, dark figure gliding quickly away in a westerly direction. But they caught nothing in the end, and Fledge lay down again, and the children re-snuggled, if that is the right word, under his wings. They went to sleep at once. Fledge stayed awake much longer, moving his ears to and fro in the darkness, and sometimes giving a little shiver with his skin as if a fly had landed on him. In the end, he slept too. So... They see something, don't know what it is, and off to sleep they go to prepare for the rest of their adventure. Um, (laughs) Hoping I don't take any more long gaps in this. Uh, I've had a crazy few weeks, but I think think we're on a better better path for the rest (laughs) to end out the year. Um, A little less of a crazy schedule um, with no traveling and things of that nature, which throw off. Um, the podcasting schedule. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed. 
Uh, starting next week for the month of November, we will be doing all episodes on adoption foster care. I'll still do these on Friday, but all Wednesday episodes will be about adoption, foster care, orphan care, all the things um, for National Adoption Awareness Month. I am so excited about these episodes and getting to share my heart with you all. Um, as always, make sure you're following along on social media. I do try to post. I'm not doing a great job about it, but posting things on there and like asking questions for future episodes on there as well. And go check out Goods and Better. They did a birthday sweatshirt release this week with a lot of super cute sweatshirts. Um, I got a couple. Uh, my favorite one is the When It's Hard to Love, Love Harder. I think that's what it says. Now that I say that, I can't remember. Um, but it's super cute and comfy. And yes, you should get one for yourself. And I think that's all I've got for you today, friends. So... Um, have a wonderful day and stay tuned. Oh, subscribe, rate, and review. All of that typical podcasty stuff that I don't always remember to say. <laughs> Anyways, have a wonderful weekend and don't do anything too stupid on Halloween. I hate Halloween. Um, but one child told me, one child at the school I work at told me she's dressing up like Lucy from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and I was so excited. So. Hope you get to see something super cute on Halloween too. Love, Leanne.